All right. Have you ever met somebody who had all of the answers? They knew exactly how to lose weight, and yet they were severely overweight themselves. They knew exactly how to sustain a healthy and happy marriage for years to come, and yet they not only were divorced, but they were divorced multiple times on their third or fourth wife. Or they knew how to raise the perfect children. Maybe they didn't have any children, or they did have children, but it just so happens that all of their children are rebels and abandoned the Lord. Now, these people personally, they frustrate me, and they frustrate me not primarily because they don't actually have the right answers, because oftentimes they do, in fact, have the right answers. They have, in fact, figured out that eating lots of vegetables, working out, eating lots of protein, and maintaining a calorie deficit is, in fact, the key to losing weight. But yet, they themselves have never been able to implement this, and yet they have not been successful whatsoever. And that's what frustrates me so much is it's one thing not to know the truth. It's another matter to know the truth and yet not to implement that. And the Bible describes these people, in fact, in James chapter 1. James 1 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but being a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all of his doing. Notice, it's not the person who looks and sees himself and then turns away and immediately says, well, what did I look like? That man receives nothing. That man receives no blessing. But in fact, the one who's not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he receives the blessing. So before I continue my message, would you pray a short little prayer and ask God to open up your heart, that you would not just be listening for somebody else, for your neighbor, learning facts, quotes, those kind of things, or even critiquing. You can critique me, that's fine. But don't listen for that. Rather, say, Lord, here is your servant. Here is your servant, Lord. Speak for your servant hears and your servant wants to do. You want to be the one who's a doer who acts, and that man will be blessed in all of his doing. So with that in mind, let's consider the topic of revival quickly. What is revival? This group, the passion of this group, a very good thing is praying for revival. But what exactly are we asking for? What does revival look like? What are you asking for when you pray for revival? I have a feeling that you're probably asking for something very much like what we see in Ezekiel with the dry bones and the spirit of God being poured out on those dry bones and the bones rattling and shaking, sinews being formed on them and the breath going in them. What that actually looks like, I think most of you want, is to see families saved, cities, towns, nations, all coming to the Lord. You want to see a bursting forth of the new age bursting forth on the plane of the earth today. Now, is this a good prayer? Yes, it's a very, very good prayer. In fact, it's a prayer that's guaranteed. That's right, guaranteed to be answered. Why do I say that? Because the back of 2.14 says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So just as now you can't get into the sea without getting wet, so one day the earth will be so full of the glory of God that you can't go into one inch without his praise being lifted up by all of creation, including humanity. Now, what will that look like? 
Well, Revelation 21 tells us, it tells us it's going to look like the new creation where he sees no temple in the city and God Almighty and the Lamb reigns and they are the light and the sun. And by that light, the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. And that day, the families, the cities, the towns, the nations, all of them will all worship God. God's name will be magnified every inch, every moment, all of the time. So this is the true revival that we're all longing for. This is the true day that we all want. Any temporal revival that we receive is merely a foretaste of that, just like the flood was a foretaste of the final judgment, okay? But the flood isn't the final judgment, and the revivals that we see in history, these temporal revivals that last 10, 15 years, a few families, a cities, a town, a nation, that is merely a microcosm of what will happen. Now, here's the question. We are in the last days. We've been in the last days since Christ came back. Oh, where he came, should I say? And the last days span from that time period to when Christ comes back. Now, do we know when Christ is going to return? No, no one knows, not even the angels know. We don't know. So how much more time do we have between now, 2021, and the coming of Christ? I have no idea. Thank God I said that. Otherwise, I'd be a false prophet. You should boot me out of the group immediately. I don't know, and neither do you. Nobody knows. But I do know at the very, very end of the coming of Christ, and I suspect we're getting close, but I don't know. This is what Jesus says about those days. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And Matthew 24, 12 says, and because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. So what I do know is that if we so happen to be at the very end of the last days, we're probably going to have an age full of lawlessness increasing the love of many. That's apostasy growing. And the fact is, Christ is going to say, will he find faith on the earth at all? Now, maybe if you're a post-millennialist, maybe you have this hope that the last age will be this glorious revival, a complete revival. I don't know. I'm not a post-millennialist. I'm an all-millennialist slash premillennialist. And we see that most likely the Antichrist is going to come and cause massive persecution right before the coming of the Lord. Now, why do I say all this? I say all this to say, that means I do not know if there will be any more temporal revivals between now and the coming of the Lord. And I would argue nobody knows whether that will happen. So that means that as we pray for revival, a very good thing and a thing we should continue to pray for, even if we don't say it, we know the truth is that if it be your will, Lord, give us another foretaste of that final revival, if it be your will. Because it's possible, such as if the Antichrist is coming in five years, there probably won't be a revival between now and then. So we always pray, if it be thy will, even if we don't say that. Now, there are other prayers, though, that we can pray that we don't have to say, if it be thy will. We know exactly that it is the Lord's will. You can think of Luke chapter 11, where it says that you being evil, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if your son asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? No, you being evil won't do that. How much more so will your father in heaven not give you bad gifts? And in fact, instead of saying bad gifts in the Luke version, it says, how much more so will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The greatest gift, the gift that we don't have to say, if it be thy will, Lord, for you to give me, 
is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here's my exhortation. Here's my encouragement for us all. While we should pray prayers, and there are many examples of prayers in the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself had a prayer, if it be thy will, Lord. So nothing wrong with praying prayers like that. But as we pray those prayers, if it be thy wills, let us also spend a lot of time, if not the majority of time, praying prayers that we don't have to say, if it be thy will, Lord. We can just know precisely that it is the Lord's will. Now, what are things like that? Well, one, they intersect very well with revival. Because while I said I don't know if there will be another temporal revival before now and the second coming of Christ, what I do know is this, that the Lord always wants to revive me. That's what I know. I know personally, if I ask for the Lord to revive me, he will always answer that prayer. Now, the question is this, and I think everyone has to ask ask themselves this, what does the Lord reviving you look like? You know, if you look at any kind of idea of making a goal or something like that, they say, let it be achievable, knowable. Revive me, Lord. Well, what does that mean exactly? What exactly are you asking for? Well, let's let's look at some categories where the Lord can revive us. Well, the Lord asks us, he tells us that he wants to excel us in the gift of giving. That's what the Bible says, that we should excel. In fact, it gives the Macedonian believers who gave beyond their means as an example to spur us on. And it says, just as you excel in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and love, also excel in the gift and the grace of giving. So maybe the Lord reviving you is, re- is reviving your checkbook, is reviving your giving. Maybe the stimulus money, this is no burden on you, whatever the Lord calls you to do, but maybe if you don't need it, Maybe give some of that. Or maybe beyond just the stimulus money, maybe you should just give more, period, or at least pray about that. Maybe the Lord reviving you will cause you to store up more treasure, not on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break and steal for where your treasure is, so your heart will be also. Or what about this? Maybe the Lord reviving you practically looks like you picking up the forgotten and often viewed as a horrible ascetic practice of fasting. Maybe that's what the Lord reviving looks like. Matthew 6, 16 says, when you fast, not if you fast, but when, when is the last time you fasted? Maybe the Lord pouring his spirit out on you makes it look like in your life, picking up fasting, or at least dusting it off and trying it out again. Maybe it looks like saying, Lord, I'm tired of looking at pornography. I'm tired of looking at things inappropriate. And you know what? I'm not going to watch HBO anymore. You know what? I'm going to grab my television. I'm going to drop kick it and destroy it once and for all. Because for me, it's causing me to sin. Or maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's the cell phone. Maybe it looks like Matthew 18, 9. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members and your whole body be cast into hell. One more example. So that's repenting of sin I'm talking about. Or maybe it looks like, a renewed sense of evangelism. We pray for evangelism. Really, that's the heart of revival, right? God, save the elect. We're not praying, God, make your elect 10% more. No, we're just saying, Lord, we want to see the elect saved. We want to see you glorified. Well, one of the ways that we can do that is certainly pray, and we should do that, and we should continue to do that. Well, how about evangelize? How about obeying the Great Commission? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does that look like practically? Maybe it looks like putting tracks in your pocket. And so as you go out 
and you go to a cash register and they give you a track, say, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, sir, can I give you this track? Yes, maybe 99 will throw it away, but maybe one will be saved and thank you one day in the kingdom of God. Maybe revival in your personal life looks like trying to evangelize by reaching out, by doing things that you don't want to do. Maybe that is what revival looks like in your life. I don't know what it looks like in your life, but I pray and I encourage you to pray about that. And as you pray, to pray more things that are like this. God, revive me by making me more holy. Because I guarantee you this, if you pray that and mean that, God will hear that prayer. Why? Because God promised all those who ask, receive, those who seek, find, and those who knock, the door shall be open. I'll conclude with this promise from God that is so sweet and so beautiful. It's in 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You will not ask God, make me more giving. And God will never say, it's not my will to make you more giving. It's not my will to help you evangelize. It's not my will to help you practice fasting or any of these other disciplines to be more holy. God will always answer that prayer. The question is, will we ask that prayer? Do we really want the revival that we ask for? Or are we going to be like the people in James that said, you have not because you ask not? And even the things that you ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss to spend it on your own pleasures. Let us build God's kingdom and not just our own.